All right, we are officially off the script. Had to take some gum out of my mouth just a moment ago. Uh, so off the script is where I talk about the episode that I had just worked on and recorded, edited, and I don't really do too much in terms of, uh, making this all pretty. Uh, <laughs> it would be a nightmare to edit the off the script part where I talk about the episode after I did all the editing and stuff. So it's like, oh, woo wee, that would just be a nightmare. Like I'll pretty up the audio and stuff, but if I like you know, cough like that or something like that. I'm I'm not going to take it out. They're like, that's just way too much freaking work. At the same time, I do have to be careful not to swear because I, I do tend to be vulgar at times when it comes to uh, just being a person outside in the real life, just being a truck driver and all. It's kind of feels like it's common. You're probably going to notice that uh, I don't sound as like a hundred percent reading, you know, uh, like everything I say isn't going to have a complete sentence to it because I'm also pretty famous or infamous with my friends for shooting off in random tangents, trying to, you know, ask for something where, well, you, you just saw the example. <laughs> so yeah, uh, working on the Game Boy Color report, uh, that was kind of like the proof of concept for this whole show. And I knew I wanted it to be the very first episode. Uh, just something about the Game Boy Color really attracted me, and it was, you know, my first handheld, and I'm pretty sure it might have been my first system. Might have gotten the Super Nintendo before, but it was within, like, a six-month period, and I was, like, eight years old, so, you know, I'll be darned if I'm going to remember it at the time. At the same time, it it was so weird, because I went, and I'm like, oh, man, the Game Boy Color, it was such a great system, and... It, you know, changed the world and all that stuff. And then I start uh, doing my research on it. And I'm like, wait, I thought it was supposed to be its own complete system. And you know, the old uh, uh, doorstop Game Boy, the original, the OG was supposed to be like 100% different. And I'm looking at more and more of the information. And it's like, it's like that meme of uh, from the office where the uh, secretary is looking at uh, two different or yeah, two different pictures. One's the Game Boy and one's the Game Boy Color. And She's like, it's the same picture. <laughs> and it really, really uh, triggered me uh, pretty hard when I saw that. But uh, despite the fact that it didn't seem like uh, the Game Boy Color had its whole history uh, fleshed out in some amazing way. I mean, there were some things out there, especially, you know, YouTube specials, those clickbait articles and all that stuff. Some of it I used for my own uh, stuff after I double checked some of the information. But it just really felt like, uh, unless I considered the Game Boy family as a whole up until 2002 with the Game Boy Advance, it wasn't really going to be like anything hugely noticeable. And at the same time, uh, I started needing to pull information for stuff that also came out for the Game Boy Pocket because they really didn't separate that much. And then once I discovered the fact that everything was backwards compatible to heck and back, it's like, well... I guess the Game Boy Color wasn't, like, super unique as much as I thought. And that caused a whole conundrum of, like, well, does that mean this episode really should exist? Is, you know, are people going to really want to hear about how the Game Boy Color really wasn't that special? I mean, it still was. It was super special. And, on like, all my friends had Game Boy Colors and all that. Heck, uh, there was a time before I got my uh, Game Boy Color from a garage sale, uh, 
uh, there was a neighbor I had. His name was Grant. And, uh, you know, Pokemon cards was big in the neighborhood at the time. And uh, he had a Game Boy Color that had Pokemon Blue. And I remember that uh, he was playing in uh, Lavender Town at the time. And he was talking about how cool it was that he couldn't understand, you know, what kind of ghost Pokemon there was. And I was like, holy smokes, I really want to play this game. And I was like, I'll give you all these Pokemon cards if I can just borrow it. And, you know, I keep adding more cards to the pile. And he's like, no, I can't. I'm not going to lend you my Game Boy Color. But then I started giving him, like, I put on the table, like, almost a hundred different Pokemon cards, all like super fancy holographic ones. And he eventually just like ripped down like, okay, but you you got to return to return it to me before the end of the night. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I started playing it and I got such a thrill out of it, but he immediately got renters of remorse. And my, I think my mom wanted to go food shop and I was about to take the Game Boy Color with it with me and he had gone to my mom at this point we she was trying to get in the car and i wouldn't go in the car because i was taking taking so much time just trying to get into it because i was playing pokemon and he was like i need that game boy color back and his, my mom was like give it back to him i'm like but i gave him all these pokemon cards and you know obviously that didn't turn too pretty and within 15 minutes his dad got involved and gave me a bunch of Pokemon cards. I don't even know if they're mine at that point, but that was my first taste of the, the Game Boy Color. And uh, I didn't mention it in the uh, the show, but when I bought the uh, the Pikachu edition one for five bucks, it came with uh, a bowling game. And, uh, you know, it, bowling game isn't really a huge thing. Like, maybe it would be, you know, like, for example, when the Wii came out, the Wii Sports was a huge thing and everybody loved the bowling game. But for me, it was like, you know, it was cool. It was a proof of concept. It was something I could actually play because I didn't have anything else at the time. And my first uh, Game Boy Color game was uh, Pokemon Yellow Edition. So I was just a little bit late to the game with uh, everybody playing Pokemon. Because at that point, you know, if Pikachu Edition came out, then that would mean that the game's been out. Uh, Pokemon Red and Blue has been out for at least a year or two. And it was the one uh, Pokemon game that you couldn't really do uh, stuff like the missing no missing no uh, glitch cheat and all that stuff to give yourself rare candies and stuff. So I had to play Pokemon True Blue, whereas everybody else was leveling up their Pokemon with rare candies, getting all the fancy stat block and stuff. And there was a time where I, you know, this was my first Pokemon game. I'm naming my Pokemon weird things like... Uh, I think I had a level 81 Pidgeot named Winger, W-I-N-G-E-R, and then I had a primate named Beater. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I didn't have a creative imagination at the time. And there was this uh, guy, probably somewhere in his mid to late 20s in the neighborhood, who was the uncle of a uh, not-so-popular kid. Uh, he was popular uh, in a way that he was the kid that was always making up lies and stuff to try to seem cool with the other kids. Uh, so the kid's name, well, I'm not going to give last names, and I don't know last names. The kid's name was David, and he had his uncle Josh. So David was always being the snivelly brat, trying to convince everybody how to get Mew by going you know, behind the truck at the SSN, doing a bunch of series of this and that. And meanwhile, he had gotten himself a Mew from using a Game Shark, uh, claiming you know, that's totally how he did it, and he didn't want to admit that he cheated out of his butt. 
And of course, the game shark was his uncle. So his uncle also had a Mew, and he was, you know, going, yeah, sure, whatever you say, kid. And, you know, Uncle Josh here, not my Uncle Josh, but this kid's Uncle Josh was definitely the, uh, the that guy, if you will. Uh, maybe in a different life, I would have loved to play D&D with him, but living with, you know, he's living with his, uh, I guess it would be at his cousin's house at this point, at a government-owned uh, apartment complex. Guy that has uh, nunchucks sitting on the wall, katanas, you know, that kind of guy. You know exactly the kind of guy I'm talking about. Uh, Super edgelord kind of guy. And uh, he was coming out with his own Pokemon game after he had uh, done all the glitching and stuff to give himself Love 100 Pokemon, all the fancy upgrade stuff. And he would go out and beat the snot out of other kids via Pokemon battle. And of course, I wanted to rise up to the challenge because I wanted to be one of the cool guys. And so he goes up and he has like, I think it was, he had Mewtwo, Mew, Zapdos, Articuno, Charizard, and Venusaur or something like that. So, you know, it's half legendaries and then half, uh, or two, three fourths, no, two thirds uh, legendaries and all that stuff. And of course, they're all level 100, beefed up, all the cool moves and stuff. And then I threw out my level 81 Pidgeot, the winger, and he made fun of me in front of all the kids there. This 28-year-old man picking on somebody two decades his, you know, junior. He's like, you sent me out and made me fight a level 81 Pidgeot? Are you crazy? And of course, he uh, proceeded to kick the crap out of me. And so, you know, I went sniveling back home and all that stuff. And for my, uh, I think it was either my birthday or for Christmas, I got a gift card to a local Meyer, And uh, it was for $25, which was just about the exact amount of what Pokemon Blue and Red were at the time. And despite the fact I had Pokemon Yellow, I bought Pokemon Red and Blue. Because I knew then I could use the Missingno glitch. So I did that. Started leveling up all my Pokemon and stuff. Got them all to level 100. Started beefing them up. Started doing research and stuff. Because the big problem was he had a Mewtwo. And obviously I didn't have like the the big brain know-it-all on how to counter that. Uh, and the answer is you really can't. Uh, even at like super competitive levels, like there's really no easy way to counter a Mewtwo besides maybe using another Mewtwo in Generation 1. And there was some maybe tactics that you could do, but because Mewtwo had recover, it was always going to be a nightmare. But, you know, nonetheless, I got lucky. I had my Articuno, and we end up having a rematch. So he throw his Mewtwo out because he's playing the sweet Mia, you know, once again. I get my Articuno out. He, uh, I believe he gets to go first, beats my Articuno with an inch of his life. And my Articuno does, uh, I think it was Ice Beam. And it froze the Mewtwo. And the look on his face that I froze his Mewtwo, and the Mewtwo just wouldn't do anything, and I slowly beat at the doubts with uh, Ice Beam, began switching his other Pokemon out, he switched out to his Zapdos, and then I froze his Zapdos. Like, I think there was only like a 10% or 30% chance of it happening, and it kept happening. And I'm sitting there grinning ear to ear, because I'm demolishing this, you know, the guy that made fun of me that's 20 years older than me, this weirdo turning, you know, hello fellow teenager son of a gun, and I'm beating him. And wouldn't you know it, I get through halfway his team beating him up, that he turns off the Game Boy, unplugs the cable from mine, 
says his batteries died and then went to the house and I haven't seen him for almost two weeks at that point afterwards. And he was such a salty loser. Oh man, but that was like one of the first times I realized that if I did my research and like learn how to play the competitive playing field, even as a complete rookie, still am. Uh, I would enjoy, you know, playing against people of different ages and especially put people in their place after, you know, they're thinking they're hot uh, shots. Almost said something else there. I'm very sorry. But yeah, that was one of uh, the, the big memories I had as a kid when I had the Game Boy Color. And uh, pretty sure Link's Awakening DX was another moment for me. Like, I had played Link to the Past at that point. I think I might have actually had Ocarina of Time at that point. So Link's Awakening was a bit of like a weird sidestep for me because it's like Link to the Past is an amazing game for the Super Nintendo. And, you know, around that time, Ocarina of Time would have been like the hugest thing ever. So it's like impossible to really, uh, you know, say, oh boy, Link's Awakening is going to be the next best thing because it wasn't. Link to the Past was a game older than both of those put together. So I was, you know, it felt like taking a step back and I was, you know, not really uh, 100% into Link's Awakening when I first popped it in. But after, I'd say, a couple hours of giving it a shot, uh, losing interest, giving it a shot, and just, there was one moment, I think it was uh, gathering, I think it was five gold leaves from the uh, the castle in the center of the map to uh, get a key. And it suddenly, like, no, I think it was Chomp Chomp. When I got Chomp Chomp, and he started eating everything, I got, like, all in. Just super excited. I'm like, holy crap, this game's funny as heck. Oh my gosh, I love it. And uh, I think there was a wrestling game, a WWE game I really fancied, and it made me fall in love with wrestling until I saw wrestling uh, in real life at a uh, WWE match and then on TV, and I realized, no, I just like the video game of beating people up, which made Super Smash Brothers obviously an easy uh, switcheroo from WWE at that point, but, uh, you know, I digress on that. And... uh Let's see, there was a time where my mom had a uh, an abusive uh, boyfriend during near one of the Christmases. I think it was, I was probably pushing like nine years old or something like that point. So, uh, so I had Pokemon uh, Blue at that point. So I'm going to assume I got it for my birthday in February. And then Christmas came around and I told my mom I wanted the next Pokemon game. And she was like, well, what's that? I was like, gold and silver. Well, she didn't know which one I wanted. I personally, I wanted silver because that meant I got Lugia, completely unaware that you can get both of them later on in the game, but you know, that's besides the point. So, and this is a really awkward moment because uh, it caused a lot of uh, psychological damage. Uh, My mom had, you know, this crappy ex-boyfriend and uh, he was very abusive and very verbally like damaging to both her and everybody in the house, but he convinced her to his credit, uh, to get both of them. So on Christmas Day, I, she let me open up these two small boxes, and I had Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver. And <laughs> what do you do when you have both games? You know, you you got Pokemon, you know, Ho Ho or Ho Ho on one side and Lugia on the other. And ironically, I actually started with Pokemon Gold. <laughs> uh man. But at the same time, it's like I I've never been in a situation where you get handed both ends of the Pokemon game at the same time. It's like, what do you do with that? And I think what I ended up doing was uh, I played Pokemon Gold as my main game 
But then anytime I wanted a Pokemon that was like a one-time only thing, such as like starter Pokemon, or if I wanted the legendary, I'd go back to the other version version and uh, grab it and then trade it over somehow. Uh, I think like I had a friend or whatnot. And of course, that same friend uh, wanted my Lugia, David, the uh, the younger nephew of that uh, Uncle Josh, that uh, you know, nunchuck Josh over there. He was like, hey, if you give me your uh, for alligator, I'll actually give you an egg that uh, totally turns or hatches into Celebi. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking at it. I'm like, there was, there was some sign. I couldn't figure out what it was during the trade, but it, it says like it was going to hatch into a tentacle or a tentacle. And I was like, well, it says it's going to turn into a tentacle. And it's like, yeah, 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 that's just a glitch. And so before the trade happened, I shut it off or shut off my Game Boy. And I realized I need to stop falling for this guy, you know, lying out of his butt. He's, you know, clearly a, a so sociopathic and very unapologetic liar, very compulsive. But, uh, yep, uh, there was another time where uh, over at a pawn shop that was across the, the street from uh, our apartment complex uh, that felt like a desert oasis because this uh, street was, in fact, a uh, six-lane highway. <laughs> like, our, we weren't meant to leave this apartment complex because it's right on a, you know, 55-mile-per-hour uh, highway. And, you know, a kid my age has no business trying to cross it any time any you know in my life that soon in fact i wouldn't recommend any adult uh doing something like that especially during a busy day but of course there was a time i probably had like 10 bucks or something like on me i uh you know got some big break running around selling cookies for like 25 cents a piece and scrapped some money together and uh in that pawn shop uh i discovered a weird thing that you could plug into the game boy color and it looked like an eyeball and i was trying to figure out what the heck is going on and uh, it turned out it was the uh, Game Boy Camera, which uh, I believe uh, was available for the Game Boy Pocket, and I guess technically the original Game Boy at the time, but the Game Boy Camera was just wonkers to me. Like, I heard about the uh, Game Boy Printer, which I you know, never gave any mention because that was for the original one uh, specifically, but the Game Boy Camera was, you know, it did exactly that it took pictures very crap or crappy pictures but it took pictures and i had such a love for it because you could turn the camera around either to the front or back you could take a picture of yourself get a selfie and then uh, there was like a weird juggling game you could play with your face looking around in different directions you gotta have it looking happy one side uh you're like bewildered or angry on the other it would just constantly bump around you could also, uh, it had a MIDI maker or a MIDI music maker where you could make songs. I think it was only like 16 notes or something like that. And I got such a thrill because I was able to play uh, or make songs that were uh, the teleportation songs from Ocarina of Time. And most importantly, there was like, a, I don't think it was a choose your own venture style thing you could make, but almost like a slideshow where you could make pictures, take pictures of people. And then you could like press a button and it would switch to the next one and you could like narrate it with letters and stuff. And you could make this like little tiny movie that would last all of like 20 seconds. And 20 seconds for a kid like me taking pictures and having fun and making like narrations out of it was a blast. Holy smokes. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, and there, I still remember there was a picture I took of my mom because I kept going, hey mom, hey mom. And she was, 
you know, we were in the grocery store and she just turned around and gave me the dirtiest look and I snapped it. And so I took a picture and it was like, my mom is sick of me. She's sending an assassin to murder me. It's Donkey Kong. I don't know why it was Donkey Kong and I don't know why he was sent there to murder me. But that first picture was all the inspiration I needed. And it was done. And I think it was probably one of the first times I was able to uh, experiment with the idea of like making my own films and stuff. Which uh, then got uh, complimented when I got my uh, own PC uh, with leftovers from my dad's uh, storage unit. And then I started messing with uh, Microsoft PowerPoint as a way to uh, make animations with the scroll to left with the images and stuff. Like, I, I used to do that kind of silly stuff old school, but it all started with the Game Boy camera. I did have uh, a Game Shark much later on because I wanted to test different things. And uh, really, honestly, I don't think I really took that much interest in it because it was like, oh, cool. I guess I can give myself a uh, shiny Pokemon if I really want to and uh, hunt on the hex code and all that stuff and mess with it a little bit. But the moment I did that, it's like, well, I just took the fun out of it. I didn't earn it. And like, if I tell everybody I have an all shiny team and I got like 30 hours of gameplay on my thing, everybody knows I'm going to be a cheater. And it's like at that point, then I got to pretend I'm Josh or, you know, Uncle Josh and uh, that little David kid and just lie out of my butt. And I don't want to do that. And so, like, the Game Shark really didn't uh, take a hold on me as much as I thought it would. Let's see. Uh, Pokemon Pinball was another fun one. I uh, tried playing Pokemon Pinball on the Retro Stone 2 I was telling about in the podcast. And it's fun. I can have fun with that. But. For some reason, there was something about it playing it on the original Game Boy Color that just really drew to me. And I was, I never put a battery in the, uh, the rumble pack because there was a rumble pack as part of the cartridge. And, uh, there was just something about it I really loved, uh, that and, uh, the Pokemon trading card game. Because, you know, obviously Pokemon trading card game was a huge thing in the area, like I said. And so if I could play a video game version of that, that's all the matter, more better, you know? And, uh, I don't remember what the game was called specifically, but I eventually did trade off my Pokemon, uh, silver since I had gold already. And I think I got, uh, I think it's called monster warrior or monster rancher. Honestly, if you can tell me what it is and help me remember what it was, uh, that would be really appreciative. It was uh, a game where you'd uh, run out to, uh, like wild areas and you would, uh, start with like, a like a little slime, like from uh, Monster Slimes, you know what I'm talking about? I'm pretty sure it was from the Monster Warrior series. And you would uh, battle some of them and, and convince some of them to join you by giving them bits of meat and stuff. And then you could combine them with each other and make like combination of monsters that would fight on your side. And I remember going down to like the bottom of a well and you'd have to fight other people to uh, get like fancy tournament uh, rewards and stuff like that. No idea what the story was, <coughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure it was uh, like your sister teleported or something like that, and you went to go rescue her, and then <laughs> everything went to crap. And uh, yeah, I keep coughing and stuff like that because uh, I have been sick for the past week. Otherwise, I would have recorded this first episode and had it edited a very long time ago. But uh, before, I was so phlegmy, I had runny nose, uh, throat was just dried out the heck, especially with this dry, and it was either a very dry uh, heat, or it got so humid that I was just sweating to death, and it kept messing with me. And I'm still like that right now, but I'm at the tail end of it, so I was like, 
screw it. I'm going I'm to do an episode. I've been waiting on this forever. And, uh, yeah, I was finally able to do it. It took a lot of editing to clear out the, all the coughing and hacking and stuff. Hopefully you don't hear anything in that. You can hear as much as you want in this because this is free content. And honestly, it's too much of a hassle to start cutting out everything once, everything once again. Uh, listening to the episode, I was like, holy crap, this is pretty good. Uh, the only thing I was worried about initially after listening to it was uh, I felt like there might have been a little bit too much bass to it. And I'm debating whether or not to trim it out immediately or if I uh, try uh, doing less bass in the uh, second one. Because my voice has enough bass as it is naturally, and after it gets uh, compressed and all that stuff, uh, it comes out quite a bit. You can hear my voice is already getting raspy just chatting away like this. I uh, don't have any water near me right now, so that's why I keep coughing. But uh, yeah, I, I added like three decibels of bass to it, and I'm like, oh yeah, give me the good stuff. But then I listened to it on a uh, semi-truck radio when I was uh, on the road this week. And, uh, I didn't realize this until afterwards, but he, the person that usually had the, had the radio set with plus six bass to it. So it was like, yes, and this is the Game Boy you know, sorry, that was a terrible representation. It sounded like I was ready to blow out the the back windshield of a car with how much bass was going on. I'm like, holy crap, uh, I really screwed up. But no, it was just the truck, and, like, there is still quite a bit of bass to it. There's a couple of moments that I didn't edit out appropriately or perfectly, but honestly, if I was to be perfect every single time, I would just lose it to being an OCD. Well, I don't want to say I'm OCD. I'm I'm too messy, and I'm okay with being too messy to really be something like that. But uh, I don't want to be a perfectionist. I enjoy having a little imperfections here and there just to remind myself that I'm human. This is, you know, a one-person job and all that. And I got a kick out of it. And uh, it was really weird, like, trying to get everything set up. Uh, I was talking with uh, Transformation Sequence, uh, a.k.a. Vincent Kenny, And uh, after listening to his Hakikomori uh, podcast, which is great, you should check it, check it out for sure. <laughs> it's great uh, about just wacky Japanese history. And by wacky, I mean often gruesome and uh, horrific, but, you know, it's Japanese, so everybody wants to hear about it. And the way he delivers it is just beautiful. I love it so freaking much. Oh, man. And then, of course, I listen to Our Fake History, which, you know, he does it more with uh, pizzazz and all that stuff. And then I listen to uh, Ray Harris's World War II podcast. And he's super straight-laced about it, and I really appreciate, you know, his dry humor and straightforwardness with almost everything, with, you know, just a little bit of fluff here and there. And I realized when I did it myself, I kind of did a combination of three, and it, I don't know how it came out yet, but because I need to be a super fan of my own product with, while open to criticism, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, it was going to be great, but it was also able to be uh, evolving. Because uh, one of the things that I noticed was uh, I started to act a little bit robotic at times. Like uh, in episode zero where it was straight from the script. I sounded like I was reading from a script. And I want to entertain you guys talking about stuff without it making it look like I'm 100% of the time reading from a note card, you know? Because that would get old uh, for some. But with how much information I pack into my stuff, I don't know if I'll be able to do that without... Uh, 
while basically uh, speeding up a lot of stuff. And if I do like any uh, mechanical or editing speed up, then that's also going to seem unnatural and doesn't help my case at all. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, got the first episode out. I uh, have the next uh, two episodes already written out and ready to go. I just need to record it. I decided for uh, what I want to do is uh, I want to have three uh, scripts ready to be uh, recorded at any given moment. Uh so I just recorded this one, so I got two and three written out, so I'm going to work on uh, writing four, and as soon as I finish four, I'm going to go back to one to give me time to reset and look at everything, make sure it's pretty and all set up and ready to go. I can do a little bit of last bit of uh, fact-checking, and this next two episodes are going to be huge. Holy smokes, it's going to be huge! But, uh, yeah, really proud of my stuff. Uh... I want to also thank you to anybody that listened to that and this. I uh, I just need to remember to be my own biggest fan as I continue with this. And I don't want to keep talking anymore because I don't want to ma- accidentally make an episode that's longer than the actual episode. So thank you for listening or listening to the Off the Script talk with uh, episode one. Hope you enjoyed the Game Boy Color. And I guess I'll see you in the, hopefully on the next episode. If not, sucks to suck to be me, I guess. <laughs> But seriously, I hope to see you soon. Take care, guys. Love you.